five, four, three, two, fun. Welcome to another episode of the Ready Set Poem Podcast, your premier source for everything to do with the Toronto Defiant and Vancouver Titans. I am Chris at Lightforce. The voice coming to you at the end of the Overwatch League 2020 season, joined virtually by both Sam at another Sam Chan and Ani at Ani Stride. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. It's been a it's been a while. It's been a week, actually. Yeah, yeah. it's been a week. Yeah. It's been a while, I think, since the three of us. Yeah. Definitely. We just keep taking turns having, you know, splendid vacations, sunsets in Hawaii, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yes, that's that's what we've been doing. We all, you know, all three of us are taking turns going to Hawaii. And then in the two weeks that we're away is the, really the quarantine period, right? Well, quarantining is actually the best time to get on a podcast because there's literally nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. True that. I, uh, this time last year would have been in Maui. I'm a little bit... Uh, a little bit to sad that I'm not there this time this year. I've been actually uh, not not having that much of a difference in my schedule. I'm sad to say, but <laughs> yeah. The uh, thing about going to Maui though is that it would have made watching the grand finals that we're going to talk about uh, this weekend a little more difficult. I mean, there's some saving grace that I am not further west. Or you're not further west. What, you're not fond of like 4.30 games or something like that? Not particularly. I mean, we'll talk a little bit about it when we get into our grand final preview, which gets its own segment. But uh, I am spoiled living on the west coast and having you know followed the Overwatch League for two seasons where everyone was based in Los Angeles. Like, I get it. I mean, I, it's an international game and the grand finals are being held in Korea. So it makes perfect sense that the times are more conducive to the time zone. But unfortunately it's not that good for, for those of us here on the West coast and probably not that good for even those uh, on the East coast, though a little more palatable being that there's a, you know, three hours in between. Uh, we're going to talk about that. As I mentioned, we're going to also get into what's going on in the world of the Vancouver Titans and the Toronto Defiant. The Overwatch League has had a lot of activity, so we'll probably spend an hour talking about all of that. But before we do, as of this episode going live, it'll be the one month point to where we're going to be taking part in Extra Life Game Day. You've heard us talking about the Extra Life campaign in episodes leading up to this one, and you're going to continue to hear us talking about it through to Game Day, which is on November 7th. But for those of you who somehow missed that note, Extra Life is a fundraiser where you simply play games to help sick and injured kids at Children's Miracle Network hospitals in both Canada and the United States. If you haven't done so already, I would be happy for you to join our team and help raise money for these kids. To do so, the easiest way to go about that is going to our Extra Life page, and to make that even easier, it's just bit.ly slash RSP Extra Life 2020. Now, in joining Team RSP, you're making no commitment outside of wanting to take part. But if that's not your thing, that's perfectly fine. I ask that you maybe boost the signal that we're trying to transmit when it comes to our social media posts, us engaging in both Titans Court and hopefully soon Defiant Court about the Extra Life campaign. And if you have it in you, is to provide a, a small donation to help us get towards our goal of $1,500. 
Um, it is a substantial goal in my mind, but it's one that I think both us uh, here in Vancouver as well as in Toronto and quite frankly worldwide can help uh, us achieve. So let you, let us rise together like a force of nature and show that we in turn can help heal sick and injured kids by simply playing games. Moving the payload! Join me! The payload is normally a real long segment where we talk about what's going on in the world of the Vancouver Titans and the Toronto Defiant. This week, however, has been probably one of the quietest weeks for both franchises. And let me tell you, there have been some very quiet weeks uh, for both of the <laughs> franchises. They just don't seem to coordinate it too much. The one thing I did want to talk about in the payload is the Toronto Defiant Community Hero Award. They announced it uh, late last week, but the premise behind the award is that you nominate someone who uh, strives to make the community better, and in turn, the Toronto Defiant, in partnership with TD Bank, want to recognize that uh, that person's efforts. It'll be awarded on a monthly basis, and you'll uh, see that come out, I believe they had said, the last Friday of each month. For those listening to the podcast, and if you happen to be an RSP court, or hey, you follow Ready, Set, Pwn on Twitter, you know that community is extremely important to me. So to see the Toronto Defiant look to create a, an award that recognizes the community and those in the community that strive to make it better, I'm all for it. I really wish that we would see more teams do something like this. You can't claim to be the team of a particular, you know, geographical area, region, or city and not embrace what it means to, to give back. So good on the Defiant for, for recognizing this opportunity and, and looking to fulfill it. No, yeah, I was just about to say the fact that, like, uh, this focus on geography is nothing really outside of a name uh, stapled on your logo, especially during these times when we don't have homestands and you kind of like already stole away my point just by claiming that, yeah, got to give back to the community. You got to, uh, you know, um, take it for, taking it for granted uh, is definitely not the way to go. And if you want this uh, league to be sustainable, uh, looking back and investing back into your community and what makes it this like such an interesting league is definitely the way to go. The thing about this sort of award starting in Toronto, one does not surprise me. I mean, the Defiant have shown that they have a plan that they're looking to execute to embrace a community and in turn give back to where they, they see themselves representing Toronto, the six, right? That's not to suggest that they ignore the rest of sort of their, their region, as we know, and the Overwatch League teams have a much broader region that they have some ownership over or control over. But you'll notice that the Canadian, you know, sibling in the Vancouver Titans don't often suggest they're in Vancouver or that they have something to do with Vancouver. They often say, oh, we represent the Pacific Northwest, strong Pacific Northwest culture. Not going to lie, they say that, but they would really want to connect with Vancouver first. Like, it's almost like they want to be the Toronto Defiant, but they also want to be this regional player, and they haven't quite figured out how to do either, and so they're in this weird space. On top of it, everything else that we've talked about in previous episodes that might be going on, um, especially considering how tumultuous their particular season was. The question got brought up in, in uh, RSP Discord about whether or not the Titans could execute uh, an opportunity such as this, and there are those that suggest they can't. 
I actually think they can. They have a lot of experience in supporting charitable initiatives and community initiatives through the Vancouver Canucks. That hockey franchise has uh, the Canucks Autism Network, Canuck Place, and they actually have a, a, a day of giving each and every year. This year, a little bit different, obviously, due to the pandemic, where they go and they essentially give their employees an opportunity to get out into the community um, full pay to actually, you know, go and do good. They've, they could do something similar with the Vancouver Titans brand. And uh, again, I think it's just they, they don't have that plan in place to, to do so, presuming that they even have a plan. Yeah, they, they could follow in the same fashion. They could, you know, innovate. There's limitless space, really, uh, in where you want to take this young league. And, and like you said, it's uh, really, really nice to see a team step up and sort of be, you know, the catalyst for such uh, positive change that you'd want to see from other teams like the Titans as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think the Titans, I mean, we're beating a dead bush again and again, but they they have some issues with what I would determine as core competencies and until those things kind of get figured out. Right. These as it's not a good sentence to say, but they are they are add-ons to to their core kind of entity, right? Mm-hmm. Right now the roster's up in question. You know, last week you guys did a good job of talking about Weeds and his departure and things like that. Those and then the roster is going to be up in question undoubtedly. Um along with a lot of league things that we're going to talk about later today. So like, there's a lot of floating things in the air before we get to, to community, which, you know, I, I'm always the voice that says that because I think you guys are, are much more like, well, screw having everything perfect. Let's just, let's, let's get that engagement going. But uh, <laughs> that's, that's where I'm getting devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think when I, I say that to, to concede, I, I understand where you're coming from. How long do you wait and is perfection getting in the way of good or as some might say, is good getting in the way of okay? Like I, I that's sort <laughs> I of, I think where I'm coming from. Okay. Yeah, not <laughs> only that, but uh, like roster construction and, and how your team performs should have nothing to do with like your community engagements and, you know, and initiatives that, you know, don't really connect to the game itself in any way. You see that a lot in, um, you know, traditional sports all the time. Yeah. So it's yeah. maybe if, if, if it is a matter of, of how many people you have working on, uh, uh, on multiple things at the same time, then there's definitely an underlying issue uh, that will expand also to these types of initiatives. Now, if you are interested in nominating someone that you feel best exudes community values and should be recognized by the Toronto Defiant, um, you simply need to fill in a form, filling in their information, um, and obviously the the reasons as to to why you think they should be recognized. Now, if you happen to click the form uh, just at launch last week, you may have noticed you needed to provide their personal details, such as their address and their phone number, which is awkward when you only know them from a distance or online. Uh, Mm -hmm. That has been updated. I think it was simply, that was nice to have information and maybe an oversight when it was first launched. But again, there are many deserving people within the Toronto Defiant community, uh, whether they are in Toronto or otherwise, that I think uh, could easily be recognized for everything that they do to to essentially support the team, represent the Defiant, and and help everyone rise together to use that, uh, that hashtag in their favor. 
Uh, one additional thing I just wanted to touch on in the payload, I didn't put it in the notes, but it just occurred to me actually has to do with the Vancouver Titans. You notice they're pushing out a lot of YouTube content right now. Are they? Yeah, they are. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, if you compare you know, it to, have you noticed a common thread to most of this content? Mm. Reruns. Well, okay, some, but it's actually Rolf. We're seeing a lot of Rolf in their their content. Not trying to you know read between the the lines or or pour the the cup of tea out and see what the leaves are are telling me. But uh, I wonder if this is indicative of what we might see player-wise on the, the roster moving forward. Like, we've talked about it. Rolf would be good, I think, in Vancouver. Um, we don't know what the roster will look like next season. But it's interesting that the one person we're seeing a lot of right now happens to be him. Now, <clears throat> please put an asterisk. A lot of this content may have been created yeah. some time ago, and it's only just now seeing the light of day. I just find it interesting there's a lot of Rolf and I'm good. Like I'm good. If he, if he remains a Vancouver Titan, I'm good for that. I just, just interesting. Yeah. I, I think, I think Rolf is someone that, that you can definitely build this franchise around. I don't mean it like he's some sort of superstar or anything. I don't, I'm not right. nearly suggesting that. I just think, you know, he, he's, he's honest, he's hardworking, he's engaging. And I think that's, that's kind of guy you want in your org one way or another. Um, and cause like, I think the biggest thing for the Titans is they really lacked an identity. Like who is this sure. team? What do they yeah. represent? We talk about, we talk about charity, not charity. We talk about, you know, community engagement and, you know, stuff like Canucks place or whatever, like who's leading that charge. Who's our Bo Horvat? Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's a hockey reference, I guess, for most of you guys are listening already know what we're talking about anyway, but like, yeah. but like, it doesn't necessarily need to be the best player. And honestly, someday if we're, we're a championship pedigree team is, is Rolf in that starting six? I, I don't know, but I think Rolf would always be a good guy to have in any organ and, and like, mm-hmm. not just now and not just because we know him, but, but when we talk about like gladiator legion and, and like all the way back to, to the tier two, tier three, second win, every team he's played for, like nobody has anything but good things to say about the guy. So. Yeah. It seemed like whenever the Titans needed a guy uh, to be, you know, acting as a spokesperson or even uh, having a communication with us, with us here on the pod after games as well, it was Rolf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, again, we're, I'm, I'm, almost so desperate for content i might be creating content out of nothing here but just something i had observed having watched a a few of their their videos Uh, we're going to take a quick break and uh, dive into our grand final preview bring it on i live for this as we let off our episode the grand finals are this weekend and by this weekend we mean loosely kind of this weekend the 2020 season started off in what we had thought was going to be a whirlwind uh, homestand experience and is wrapping up having completed an online mix of two international divisions. We had an Asia bracket that found both a Seoul Dynasty and Shanghai Dragons get themselves into this grand final tournament and a North American bracket, which Mm -hmm. saw the San Francisco Shock and Philadelphia Fusion get their way there. Now, when does everything happen to take off? Well, 
4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. On Thursday, October 8th, the Seoul Dynasty are taking on the NA number one seed in the San Francisco Shock. Followed immediately at 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern, are the Philadelphia Fusion taking on the Shanghai Dragons, the Dragons being the Asia number one seed. On Friday at 2 a.m. Pacific, 5 a.m. Eastern, the two losers will play. And then at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern on Friday, the two winners play. Followed on Friday, October 9th at 6 a.m. Pacific and 9 a.m. Eastern, the winner of the loser's match plays the loser of the winner's match. And on Saturday at 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern, the winner of that match plays the winner of the first two for all the marbles. It is not double elimination. Arguably, the team that loses first could ultimately win the trophy, and a team that loses only once winds up second. We've lived through that watching the <laughs> Vancouver Titans last year. Ouch. It could very well repeat itself again this year. So, talking about the four teams in the grand final, which of those four, and you can only pick one, is your favorite? I'm going with Shanghai Dragons. Sam? Where's my mute button? Shock for me. <laughs> See, and here's here's where I stand. I want to give it to the Shock. The Shock have pedigree. They have experience. They are a strong side. But there is something about the Shanghai Dragons roster. And, and there is a story to be had there where in their first year, they couldn't do anything right. Second year, they started to turn things around. Third year, they're just on fire. So I, I got to go and give it to the Dragons. And it's unfortunate because I think the Philadelphia Fusion are a good team. I just don't see them having the ability to beat both the Shock and the Dragons. And I think the Soul Dynasty are simply going to get the participation ribbon because two teams needed to come out of the, the Asia bracket. Now, how I sort of envision this playing out is I believe the Fusion lose to the Dragons. I believe the Shock beat the Dynasty. I actually think the Shock beat the Dragons. And in a twist of fate, the Dragons will then beat the Fusion once again and then mm. beat the Shock in the grand final, giving the San Francisco Shock the Vancouver Titans treatment. Yeah, I, I have a feeling like it's not going to be as simple as uh, people might think. It's true. Not only because it's so hard to predict in here because of this uh, year-long separation that we've had between the Asia and North American region, but also because outside of these, uh, everybody would agree that the Shock and the Dragons are obviously the top dogs. I, I'd say uh, the Fusion and Dynasty are not that much far behind and they could sneak up on you on a good day. And they have a lot of like superstar talent that can actually carry a, a, a match that on paper would seem, uh, you know, not just uh, not favorable, but maybe unwinnable for your team. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really, you know... It's, it's it's just what I mean to say. It's really hard to predict. Uh, who would you say? I'm I'm really interesting in hearing interested in hearing who you guys think is actually the third best team here. 
outside of the shock and the dragons like dynasty or fusion who's the, who's the better team here well i think i've clearly made my point <laughs> for, the, for, for the fusion. fusion yeah so so i have to asterisk this because i think the fusion are the third best team okay but i think my my crazy prediction is that i think the dynasty are at least going to win one match at least one so I don't know how all that math works out. So like I think I think overall, if we're gonna play for a very long time, then I think one, two, three, fusion shock dragons figure it yeah. out somehow. But in a somewhat short tournament-ish, Dynasty are always the team that you wanna write off because they're ridiculous and they lose 3 0 to teams like the Hunters or, yeah. or whatever. But then they go and beat up NYXL, then they take the dragons to like their last mile. So, so like, I think that they got at least one more upset in them. I don't know. I have no idea who it's going to come up against. Cause I think this whole like winner win- plays loser, loser plays loser, loser plays winner. I, I'm already confused. Yeah. yeah. But I think they'll take one off somebody and somebody will be really pissed off. Okay. Well, I can actually maybe break this down for you. Do you see <clears throat> the dynasty winning their first match against the San Francisco shock? I think if we're going for a shocker, yes, pun intended, that's the one. So that would, okay. Down. So if they win that one, then who wins the Dragons Fusion? Dragons. Right. So that means that the Dragons would probably <clears throat> bounce the Dynasty down. I mean, that sets up a match between the Shock and the Fusion, which there are those out there that would argue that's your team number one, team number yeah. two. Right. And we saw this earlier in, in the playoffs when you had the justice, you know, going through the bracket um, where they were, go, you know, beating teams that arguably people would not have given them any opportunity to do so. We also saw, you know, in previous uh, showdown tournaments, similar sort of upsets. And it creates that what would be different times as the championship bracket early. I, I just I don't see them. I don't see them beating the shock. I truly don't. And if you were, I could give you the win, but it would have to be a win against the fusion. That's where they, to me, that's the upset they get, but then they come, they get eliminated by whomever of the shock and dragons they face off next. Uh, uh, I have a weird feeling that uh, if the shock go down to the losers bracket, that's how they win the championship. If they, <laughs> if they don't, they're not, they're going to lose in the grand finals themselves in the final match and lose. I, I don't know why. You're, you're I, looking at my predictions list. Yeah, actually. it's like uh, it's like <laughs> you don't want to like the, the the bleeding animal sort of effect. It's like the most dangerous uh, type of situation. Maybe dope. I, I have like the same feeling for the dragons as well, but not as much as with the shock. Okay, so so then you're sort of suggesting if the shock or dragons lose their first match, that's almost a guarantee that they're going to win. Yeah, but what happens if both they both <laughs> lose? Then uh, well, no, okay. it's the Philly Fusion. <laughs> I don't know. But that's the thing. Like, are someone? There are those then that would argue, kind of like how I said, Shock Fusion. If the yeah. Shock and Dragons were to meet each other first in the losers bracket, mm-hmm. there are going to people like, well, there's a grand final. Like, I, I I can see the logic in that, where it's the chip on the shoulder, it's the wounded animal. Uh, um, like, I, I get that. I, it's just. There is some inherent wackiness to a double elimination 
that turns into a single elim for the showcase event. Like, think about the Vancouver Titans last season against the San Francisco Shock. Do you see the Shock beating the Titans twice? The way they played, uh, yeah, it's it wasn't a close well, series, unfortunately. No, it wasn't. But I think the Vancouver Titans of last year yeah. would have been able to adapt with the experience. I don't think we ever saw the Vancouver Titans um, get taken advantage of match after match. In fact, I think the experience that we saw is when they actually got taken advantage of, you know, pity be the fool that matched up to against them next because they sure. went out and proved a point. So. The fact that we have the showcase event means you could have a bad day. You could have a team that just understands the metal a little bit better than you and has better prepared for you. Because the other thing to consider is like the Vancouver Titans had to wait to see who they would play. And yes, there was time in between that and the grand final at the time, but everyone knew, okay, Vancouver is there. So we can plan for here and not to suggest we're already planning on the next match, but we have an idea. This tournament compresses it significantly. Yeah, you don't get any real opportunity to plan. In fact, you needed to, at this point, figure what you're going to go and do to approach each team that you might play. And that's, you're, you're, you're coming with that strat in, in, in hand. Yeah. yeah also okay. like less time to adapt to a, a certain meta that might develop, uh, or, you know, a, learning from your mistakes. Uh, yeah. That too. I do wonder if like the the Asian teams have been scrimming with like other NA teams and and vice versa, because I think that's the real fascinating thing for me about this tournament is because for for a very very long time now we've been arguing to no end like oh Asian regions better or NA regions better and if either of the shock or or um, the dragons get up upset so to speak in that first game. Like you can hear that trash talking from one side to the other. Oh, we wouldn't hear way, it, right? <laughs> right? Like, oh, dude, like you guys were so hyped on the shock and they lost to the dynasty. Like, the dynasty was like our fifth best team, blah, blah, blah. Like, you, you can hear that, right? Oh, yeah. No, I could totally, totally see that. And again, that's just the nature of, of the structure of the league for the pandemic, right? This is the first opportunity these teams have had to play each other since really the start of the season and that, you know, short period of time where. Soul was in NA and and IXL I think was in NA too, but that, I mean it's that you know Vancouver was in Korea and then they came back. Weird dynamic. Oh man, I, I um yeah I I, I think I'm still I'm st- oh, man I'm, you've got me thinking now. I <laughs> be an I, Apple user, be courageous. Uh, okay i I just can't okay courageous would be saying the soul dynasty are this year's grand champions courageous is using an iphone without a case yeah dude you you so much as look at your iphone wrong and it breaks that's why the case is there it's not the glance i didn't know that like uh being courageous was some somehow synonymous with uh dongles but okay Oh, all I know is that with the time of these matches, I will be tuning into the VOD or possibly the <laughs> replay. And I, I'm not trying to take a shot at the Overwatch League. I completely understand the decision that they've made. It, it, it's perfectly fine. Um, I genuinely wonder what viewership will be like. It, but then conversely, might this significantly increase the 
APAC viewership that may have been hindered in, in years past. So like, I'm, I'm not trying to say NA is all that in a bag of chips, but the Overwatch right. League has, for one reason or another, catered to the NA market more than any other international market that's available to them. So. Yeah, I mean it's it's a, it's the right move to do really. Uh we know how big it will be with uh the Chinese viewership with uh games uh you know when the Shanghai Dragons play or how if you look at uh latest uh surveys uh, the, how Overwatch is still the second most popular esports title in Korea while it's nowhere near the top 5 in every other region. So mm-hmm. there is some business sense in that too. Yeah. But if there is a reason for you to watch the grand final uh, tournament or grand finals, however they wish to to describe them, one, league token drops for those that it works. Log <laughs> in overwatchleague.com or the app where you may earn tokens, which you can in turn cash in for your favorite team or the, uh, the all-star uh, skins yeah. that are still available. Uh, you have the... Uh, cheer from home experience as well. So if you're using the live stream player on, on overwatchleague.com, there's like a button that you can click that will allow you to cheer live during the championship match. So they're doing what other leagues have done where they're trying to pipe in sort of the fan noise, but this will be done through streaming, which is interesting. I don't know how that will, will occur. Like is everyone sort of getting piped in all at the same time? Cause that'll sound real pleasant. (laughs) Um, There's the social wall which is going to allow you to go in and be featured on a giant wall. It's going to be visible during the live broadcast. Now, from what I understand with the social wall, you're actually tweeting with a hashtag. And so if you get featured, it's not a live image. So unlike what we've seen, you know, some of the other leagues do where they've got like the, the video screens up, like the NBA had a doctor disrespect watching one of their, their games and doc was up on a screen. The what? You didn't, you didn't know about doc. No, what, what what was that league you mentioned there? I know, basketball. <laughs> basketball. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, you've seen this experience. I actually think that that maybe, maybe they'll have, you know, something like this. Because they have talked about this virtual fan wall, but they haven't really gone in and, and explained how you can can engage. It says a select lucky group of fans will be shown live. I have yet to see anything that says you can actually take part in the virtual fan wall, but you look at other, you know, leagues, traditional sports, primarily, I get that. Um, but even uh, something like the WWE where they've gone and redeveloped mm-hmm. their, their arena into what they call the Thunderdome. And it's just a series of the monitors. Thunderdome. <laughs> you know, okay. I, I mean, this is a little out of left field here, <sighs> but if the Overwatch league were to, were to somehow have a partnership with the WWE. Oh, wow. You think game uh, presentation uh, is good, bad, or indifferent now, you'd see an entirely different experience next year. They should just post the YouTube, uh, uh, you know, live chat uh, on the walls there. (laughs) All the players can see. That would be so sad. Yeah. it would lack uh, the Twitch emotes, but you know. Yeah, that that's what the Overwatch League was missing: more anxiety. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyhow, uh, who are you cheering for? Who do you expect to win the grand final? We would love to know. Shoot us a message on Twitter at RaceItPone, and uh, we'll talk about uh, that as the week unfolds. We're going to take ourselves a quick break here before we dive into the fray.
It does seem a little bit awkward that we've given a grand finals preview without having talked about the other sort of showcase event that took place this past weekend in the North America All-Stars. Um, I'm going to presume Omni watched it. I did. Because you are, you know, steadfast, <laughs> the most reliable person. <laughs> um, I'm going to learn about this as we talk about it. Yeah, how crazy is that? I'm actually like watching and, and playing the game uh, that okay, I'm I, that I'm I doing still, a podcast for. But I still play the game, and I will watch if the Vancouver <laughs> Titans and the Toronto Defiant are involved. But if it's like individual players, I'm just not like. And, you know, I, I'm going to throw us a little off the rails here. I was thinking about this, you know, earlier today. Yeah, there's something about I don't know, you know the league or or what have you that i'm just like eh, i don't really care right now right and it's the investment that's missing while i did have that sort of feeling going into watching the vods i didn't really watch it live i was pretty busy oh but when i did watch the vods i ended up uh uh, enjoying it enjoying them way more than i thought i would so Mm. uh props to the overwatch league for making a really good uh, all-star uh event this year or events, I should say. I like them both, really. You know, I, I can't, I can't discount and what you've said, and I trust you and and how you, you say it was an entertaining experience. But consider me and the investment that I have in into the the teams I support and putting this podcast together and in you know connecting with the community. It should be somewhat concerning that there is someone like me who is right. not that engaged. Um, but now, we, we did end up uh, having some representation this time, uh, both from you know the Titans and the uh, the Defiant. Well, the Defiant had quite a bit of representation. Uh, the Titans had Dalton in the Widow One v One and Shockwave, right? Um, and that was because of the fact that every team needed a representative. Yeah, but it was still uh, enough for me to, you know, cheer for them a little bit. Like, uh, if we are starting to talk about the events, uh, I was actually kind of disappointed with how Shockwave performed in uh, the Widow One v One, and uh, pleasantly surprised with Dalton. Um, but I don't know. Some players are just not good in those events as opposed to like a, a game situation. For example, like a KSP was incredibly good in the match itself, but not really good on the 1v1 event. It's kind of like mm-hmm. Shockwave. Uh, even though like in-game, they're like a, a walking aimbot. Um, <laughs> but Dalton, he was the, the exact opposite. He, he um, won one match, but he eventually fell to Linkser, who also beat... Uh, um, Shockwave, who ended up being, you know, the runner-up too soon. The thing about, you know, like a Widow 1v1, it's no different than like an all-star event, like a home run derby, yeah. a, uh, an NHL shootout, slam dunk contest. Like it, it, there are people that can elevate in the moment because it's a controlled environment. Yeah. But the, the instant you add in a modicum of distraction it throws them off like so you know imagine it's a widow 1v1 but you have all these moving parts right you know then i think that changes the dynamic quite a bit but yeah i'm not knocking this it's an all-star event like i i understand that probably what the overwatch league had had in mind is obviously significantly (laughs) different with an all-star experience um i mean we know it's different because they had to unfortunately postpone it um but uh, 
how many again i'm i'm bring it back to point how many people out there were like me where the ability to maintain that that emotional connection and investment disappeared the moment the team or teams that i was committed to are were out and bounced like how long ago was it that the vancouver titans and toronto defiant last played mm. so over a month and a half maybe so playoffs round one september 3rd 6th essentially oh. a month yeah and that, that's the thing is that now you're hoping that I'm going to pay attention to the, the play of, of other teams. Like mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting there wasn't, you know, good gameplay. It's just the emotional connections missing. And I, I, I think that that's something that even if, you know, the pandemic is over and everything gets back into the homestand experience that the Overwatch League needs to, to address is how do they keep those, those fans like me, around so that I'm continuing to, to watch. And you look at traditional sports, they do a really good job at that. Uh, I'll use the NFL Super Bowl. I mean, there's a reason why, whether you care for the two teams that are playing or not, that people watch the Super Bowl. It's an experience. It's something well, that you, you don't want to miss. The Super Bowl is is world-class, probably the oh, I'm arguably... You know, Maybe other than Champions League, I'd say is the only other one that's out there, like like mm-hmm. the, the the top of the list for for sporting events. Period. Right, and I guess you could throw Olympics in there or whatever. Um, but the Pro Bowl is oh. is what we should be comparing this, true, this true. to, right? So <laughs> I think I think the Overwatch League in its defense, I I want to say that the All Star Week was it planned for the middle of the season originally? I couldn't remember, and then they had to kind of push it back. It's actually been so long that I usually usually past seasons, right? It was not. Yeah, in the past seasons, there's it's like a mid-season break, and then they have some fun festivities and stuff like that. At the end, I thought I thought that this was going to be like after, like the All Star was going to be after to the the grand final, but I. It's yeah. been so long I could be getting this Yeah, wrong. because like one of the big criticisms of the Pro Bowl, which is for, for those that don't watch football, is kind of like the the week break between like the 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 conference finals for and football the and the yeah. Super Bowl. So it's kind of like this like it's it's like the intermission entertainment, right? But the problem is the people playing in the Super Bowl, aka the best teams in the league, usually don't participate too much, which isn't true of the Overwatch All-Star team since like we had Shock, we had Fusion. We had dragons and uh, a dynasty participating the weeks earlier, but like just in general, like from a competitive standpoint, nobody cares that much about the results. We're kind of here for the the kicks and giggles and stuff like that. But for me, I got a little bit emotionally disconnected once I realized, like, oh, every every player gets a team. It's a little bit of like, oh, whoever's available and and wants to show up. And the last part that I'll kind of ride on the. Uh, on the team is just the based on the schedule which i don't know if it's their fault or not um i don't know if shockwave is still a member of the titans like is his contract up i don't know if agilities is a member of the defiant is his contract up <laughs> like it's it's kind of weird like yeah. i want to root for this guy but then is he still my guy well okay and actually that's that's a fair point because we don't know like when this episode goes live on wednesday i am i already have like tweets in the can with the Wednesday graphic, because I expect 
that we're going to hear more news later this week. I mean, we're going to talk about it in a moment as to what's else, what else is going on with the Overwatch League. But you're right. Toronto Defiant and the Vancouver Titans have been relatively quiet. Um, both teams have seen uh, coaching changes, but no player or roster changes. So, yeah, you're right. What's not... If, oh, I'm going to go support Chalk. Oh, he's gone. Like, eh, it's that emotional connection to an individual player that we don't even know yeah. you know, will be around. Yeah, it is just a weird, weird situation. And maybe that, maybe that has more to do with it than anything else. But just last thing to note about this All-Stars, if you wanted some intensity and some social connection and, like, caring, you should have watched the final match of uh, huge, tiny Overwatch that these pro <laughs> Overwatch players played I kid you not, every map went for almost half an hour and and they were so into it. You wouldn't believe the intensity that was behind this silly little custom map uh, mode when when like I, I think it was like fifty thousand dollars on the line. Those games were insane. Just go back and watch them. And the casters were losing their minds every time. Shockwave actually popped off there on, on the tiny, huge Doomfist for the most part. It's it's nuts. Like the meta evolved mid-game. Uh, players actually jumped off the map after a win to respawn smaller because it gives you an advantage. It was crazy. And and uh, uh, the, the, the game chat was visible. It was hilarious. You know, I I do wish if they make an adjustment next season, his game chat is always visible. They should uh, play this mode in the grand finals in the last match. If there is a tiebreaker, I think it was Spectre had commented about that. <laughs> go you know, with it's it. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Too bad. Um, if if you didn't watch it like me, but you're curious uh, which team won, Team Reinhardt won, and that was the team that uh, Nevix was playing on. And that's the other part that was, I'll be honest. A struggle for me is you have Agilities and Kareev <laughs> for the Defiant on Team Diva, Nevix wow. on Team Reinhardt. Like you're breaking players up. You have Moth against Super. Like, eh. yeah, I don't know why why people would oppose uh, my suggestion. You may not like it, but this is peak Overwatch. Yeah. <laughs> the other news that came out of the All Star Weekend were a few more awards. So Alarm won Rookie of the Year. Does this surprise you? I mean, Alarm no. played really, really well, but there were some that has suggested, like, Sparkle did enough in the short time that he was in the league uh, to be Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I, I disagree. I think it's a great pick. Like, the guy, like people, when you say Philadelphia Fusion, normally you'd think, well, Carpe, yeah, of course, or IVQ, I don't know. This guy was their engine, their heart and soul for every, like, tight match they they had won. He's your new Jonak. He's uh, he's better than Jonak in my eyes. The guy is crazy, and and he it's well deserved. He was uh, awaited for such a long time in the league, and and it's it's really uh, hard to get all that hype. But it's even harder to live up to the hype, and he did. I I was really impressed with him this year. Yeah, I'd only give some consideration to to Krong. I think Krong did right. pretty decent this year. Sure. Like, and I think maybe I have a soft spot because nobody ever talks about off tanks is whatever. Um, and then the only other person on my list was kind of Ons, but Ons was situational, whereas Alarm pretty much played every single match from my memory. Yeah. So yeah. It's it's deserving. I I think there's a couple other dudes that that did really well, but can't complain with this one. Yeah. And the other award that uh, was shared was the Dennis Havalka Award. Uh, and that went to to McGravy. Um, I thought 
a really good pick for the word. I, I don't know going into it. I would have suggested him to gravy, uh, but the kid gets it. Like he is good for the overwatch league to, to yep. have around. He has a, an impact, you know, beyond the, the game itself. Uh, he's good within the community. He's really respectful. Um, uh, also very good at tiny, huge overwatch, which I'm sure <laughs> played, you know, significantly into for me, for sure. More. Um, but, uh, you know, you think about past winners of, of the award and you have, uh, was it, uh, Mickey in the, the first season. And then, uh, I think, uh, was it Custa? Yeah. Custa last year? It was Custa. I think so. Yeah. And I mean, I'm going to, so Mickey and Custa are two different people. I, I think what we see from the gravy is almost like a blend of the two. Like Mickey was just outright positive. Custa was just Custa, I think McGravy is the balance between, and I think he's really well representative of where I see this this award going. Yeah, only other name I throw out there is that I can think of is maybe Sabobi. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really like the impact he's had on on the I guess the the Korean side of the league. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people look up to him, and and you know he's he seems like a great team player. And who knows if he'll ever win this thing if if he's sticking around or whatever, or taking a break like some of the other players we'll talk about soon. The last award was coach of the year and it went to moon. And frankly, I can't think of anyone who comes close this season. This award, like in every other uh, traditional sports league will always go to the coach of the team that overachieved the most. I think the one that nobody predicted to succeed as much. It's automatic. Just (laughs) give it to the coach of that team. And deservedly so, right? Easy pick. Yeah. And I, you know, this isn't, to me, it's not like, oh, maybe, you know, this coach or that coach. Now this is Moon. Like, you're right, uh, Omni, when you say it's in in almost any league, it's the team that overachieves. And not only did they overachieve, arguably, they overachieved overachieving. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the only other award outside of the grand final champion uh, will be the uh, T-Mobile MVP. And if you happen to be in the United States, apparently you can vote an opportunity to win 10 grand yourself. Not us, because, you know, us Canadians don't get to take part. And if you don't happen to live in the United States and you live somewhere else, that's too bad, too. Um, Ultimately, it's going to be a player on the winning team, because apparently that's an unwritten rule, the Playoff MVP is always the player on the winning team, not necessarily the most valuable player in the playoffs. And uh, we, to be honest, can't tell you who that might be other than uh, if it happens to be the shock in the grand finals. Uh, not Sinatra this year. No back-to-back. Nope. Didn't Choi win last year? Okay, I stand corrected. Choi, Sinatra. It's just such a you know blur to me. It's so long ago. And I thought I was trying to be you know funny, but obviously no, I, I, I came across as dumb. I clearly remember that it was Sinatra and he said that it should have gone to Choi even though he won uh, ultimately. Somebody oh, well. fact check us and but tell yeah, us. But yeah, it's, you know, it's T-Mobile MVP. It's uh, the XQC award. So it will always go to the most popular pick anyways. So Does T-Mobile have reception where they're playing the <laughs> finals? Uh, no. Um, actually, so you mentioned XQC. We didn't share this in the payload. XQC is signed with Luminosity. And when that news what? broke, there were, there were a number of people in Titans Court and elsewhere that are like, oh my goodness, he's joining the <laughs> Titans. 
Did we get Shredlock's oh, block man. view on this? Oh, so first and foremost, to anyone who is still listening to our podcast and has confusion, Luminosity, as much as they say they own the Vancouver Titans, don't. And even if they are involved, which frankly, I think they may be at times, them signing XQC under their brand is no different than them signing Harblue under their brand. They're not even content creators with a Titans. So what you're saying is we're going to have a tank line with XQC and Harblue next year? Exactly. You heard it here first on RSP. <laughs> We're going to Arcow, right? Now. That's it, it could be decent yeah. if uh, both We're their available hearts for and, quotes and, and, if anybody wants and to mind. ask us. Oh, but back on, on the rails, let's talk about all the other craziness that's been happening over the course of the week. So uh, if you don't follow the Sports Observer, um, and specifically one of their, their writers, Kevin Hitt, you might want to because he seems to be getting the juice before anyone else on, on the scene. The uh, juice. He broke news that Pete Vestelica, who mm-hmm. slid into the role of commissioner, having been the CEO for eSports for Activision Blizzard, so he slid into that role when Nate Nanzer left, he is sliding on out of that commissioner role. He is no longer going to have that title. He's going to be still the CEO of esports, which again, I've seen people are like, oh, he's no longer with the with Activision Blizzard. No, entirely not true. He still is. Um, so what does that mean? Who's going to be the commissioner? Well, the following day, Kevin then dropped the other side of the news, and that is that Johanna Ferris, who's currently the head of the Call of Duty League, I don't think they call it commissioner, they actually call it head of Call of Duty League, that she is going to be a joint position of essentially whatever, like director of gaming or commissioner of both the Call of Duty oh. League and Overwatch League. Oh, no. You say, oh, no. How come? I, I don't like when it's a joint thing. We saw it like there, there's nothing good to come of it. I would like it to have like even her or somebody else just stick to one league and that's it. Well, there are those that argue she's done a stand-up job for the the Call of Duty League. In Perfect. fact, I mean, you think about sort of how they've they've driven community. Again, different game, different title. Like Call of Duty League was going to have success simply on numbers alone uh, that the Overwatch League, you know, would love to to possess. I'm not necessarily against it. I agree. I would prefer, if possible, to have someone whose sole dedication is to one league. No, just right. have her, uh, you know, stop working on Call of Duty and just do Overwatch. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think Omni's questioning her her qualifications no. at all. No, no, I think not it's at just all. more so the concept <laughs> of one person running both leagues. Exactly. You know, this doesn't. It doesn't shock me that they would go with one person, two hats, at least for one year. Um, consider how much they've probably lost in in money over the course of this past Mm. season and previous seasons like whatever their revenue estimates were going to be this year i am positive if there was a team that even came near to what they had expected to have um that it was through magic and happenstance like it's just the overwatch league is looking to probably consolidate themselves a little bit better i'm not i'm not I'm not against the, the premise, I understand, but I think if that was the route that they go, I would be a firm believer that maybe there isn't a commissioner, but like someone like John Spector is essentially the guy in charge of Overwatch League. Yes, you have the person at the top of the, the chain, and I use like the traditional sports example where you have the president, but then you have a director of like such and such operations or a general manager. 
I would prefer to see something like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Agreed. Now, Sam, he's he's the wise business person. Omni and I are the the two that lead with our heart. But you know, wise business person Sam, the level head. What do you say? I say that it feels cost cutting to me. <laughs> See, that's, that's 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 the bluntness of it. Is like I think that Blizzard invested a lot in Call of Duty. Invested a lot in Blizzard. A lot of it was predicated to to home stand ish events. All of that's gone haywire, and now they need to rebound. But as we're going to talk about, even with roster constructions, like a lot of decisions that are going to come from the league and from the teams, like they're not going to be decisions that that someone who's emotionally tied to rosters or players are going to make any sense, right? Like there's just no way about it. Like are like so many fans are going to be like, my team is worse today than it was yesterday. Why? Right. And the reality of it has to do with dollars and cents and, and people trying to justify like, well, how can we pay blank $300,000 a year when our whole team doesn't make that in revenue in a season? Right. So, so like there's going to be a lot of these types of decisions. And, and I think it's, it, frankly, it sucks. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, but that's, that's the year we're about to, to go into. So, so I think it makes sense that they're trying to kind of converge because a lot of their goals in Call of Duty and, and Overwatch is the same is like, okay, well, how do we rebound and make a, make a plan B out of what was supposed to be to be homestand, right? right? Like this was, this was supposed to be like the, the victory lap of like, look how amazing we are. We basically built what yeah. the NHL or NFL did in two years. And, and like, look how awesome everything is. And we sell out jerseys at every crowd and like, this is their dream. Right. And literally none of it worked from, from production of, of yeah. merch to to the actual home stands to people caring more about the league like failed on every front not all of it all their fault right but but like they and, they literally missed everything and that's kind of the premise on which uh mr vestelica was brought uh, along because he was our homestand guy in a way well he so but again he's he's not his role stays the same yeah as it was prior to he's ceo of esports for no, but like, like even acting as the face right now being stepping off that role no, and I, but I think him again. I think him coming into Overwatch League was somewhat of a cost-cutting measure, mm. right? They just saw Nate walk, and they wanted to sort of prove out this plan. Obviously, plan went out the window, and now they need to maybe cut costs just a little bit more, and they want to reprioritize where people are looking to go and build out Plan, you know, H, if that's the letter of the alphabet that we're down to now. Pretty much. So, if they want to make some money, maybe you should release those slick looking all star jerseys and let people buy them. Mm. Uh, too smart. Too smart. <laughs> Still cost us an arm and a leg. And I'm, I'm sure that three feet fanatics are working hard to try and uh, recreate the colors and patterns. <laughs> so, okay. Speaking of, of, of threads, uh, I was one of the lucky recipients of the uh, Toronto Defiant uh, TD Fan Appreciation Weekend t shirts. Um, it was through a partnership with roots. That's a solid shirt. It fits small. Cause unfortunately they did not have Chris size available. Um, but it's like, it, it, it looks good. It's well put together. And then I compare it to the fanatics shirt that I received where the print is off center. And I'm not talking about the one I complained about. I'm talking about the replacement with the off center print that they sent me. I'm, you know, I, I would much rather, <laughs> get this roots shirt 
And I'd even be willing to pay a little bit more because I know I'm paying for quality. And it's no different than what we saw with the Vancouver Titans locally um, prior to the, the shift of fanatics. Yeah. Anyway, I, it's so called far. fashion off center is, is done on purpose. I'm so sorry. Should I tear a hole in the shirt? Or is fanatics going to do that for me? <laughs> a hole holes, multiple. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about other moves going on in the overwatch league. So as we alluded to earlier in the episode, there's been a lot taking place. So let's kick things off by talking about uh, the assistant coach of the Dallas fuel, uh, Vulgin. Uh, he has, uh, unfortunately parted ways with the fuel. Now, whether or not he left or they left him or they mutually left, uh, that follows the fact that the team had already released Tickety and Arrow. So frankly, him now departing isn't too uh, surprising. Um, Spitfire. This was a hot rumor. The London Spitfire were going to go for a more Eurocentric roster, one that could better connect with their, you know, geographic region. We don't know if that's actually going to come true or not. We've talked about this in uh, RSP Court. We've talked about this on social. There are reasons why teams want to connect to their local markets. It has nothing to do with we're going, you know, all Korean or going this. It's, it's that we want to have sort of a roster that we can connect with the community. And that's where our priority happens to be. So if the Spitfire were to go forth and do that, it would make sense that they would go and make changes. And what did they do uh, just recently? They got rid of their coaching staff. So, okay, Pavain and Twinkle are out. Oh, and uh, their strategic coach, uh, I guess it's Skix. <laughs> um, without the U, it makes it difficult for me to, or S-Kix. I don't know. I look at the roster, though, and first and foremost, did you know that the Spitfire currently have, like, 12 players? Yeah. I, I went over the spreadsheet today to update the, the recent moves, and it's I think it's the only one that still has 12, or maybe not. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, the, the rain as well, but it's odd. Yeah. They won't have 12 players much longer. That's just <laughs> – that's going to change, even if they don't go with the Eurocentric roster. Uh, what else happened? Oh, the not to be outdone, the uh, Guangzhou Charge, uh, they decided to release their Korean coaching staff. Uh, so Jin, Teodola, and Sungwoo are all out. This one is the most surprising to me because mm-hmm. I thought the charge did quite well. Like I guess, I, yeah, it was kind of strange. I guess it was championship or bust for them. Not really sure why. Well, there was, I can't remember where I saw it, but someone had sort of, pondered is it possible because we talk about how like the toronto defiant tried to embrace themselves as canada's team in some respect and we sort of suggest maybe the vancouver titans might do that we're seeing sort of the rumor that the spitfire are going to go eurocentric yeah someone suggested is it possible that the charge might try to embrace a a chinese roster as opposed to sort of the mixed roster that they had where it was primarily korean chinese mixed in with neptuno and nero which you know visa issues made things uh complex with i I, i'm not i don't know but you know there if you release your entire coaching um lineup of which they're all korean you know there's it's possible yeah i i think this like it's kind of concerning for me like 
this kind of, and I think it's weird because the Titans are technically like ahead of this curve in terms of like, okay, they want a roster that can communicate with its community sort of. Um, But like, I don't like how this goes where it's like, okay, so the Spitfire are going to have like a British or EU based team. The, the, the uh, eternal are going to have an EU based team. All the Chinese mm-hmm. teams are going to have Chinese players. Like that doesn't, that's not what the overwatch league was formed to do, right? Like this is just going back to kind of like league of legends regions, right? Where, where you have a Chinese league, a Korean league, a sure. NA league and a EU league. But like the whole point of having these like cities and colors and teams was is supposed to be like, Oh, well we want the best players in each team and we're going to duke it out just like any other sport. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't disagree, but let's also look at what a lot of the teams have tried to do. They want to be recognized as city team. And there are two sort of paths that are often argued you follow win it all or bring in people who can get you by without winning for, for a while as you sort of lay that foundation. The other component to this, and we don't know what next year will look like, you know, people floated around the idea of bubbles So as opposed to where we had these sort of two regions, instead the Overwatch League does go to a more regional division, like this league, like a a, a league of leagues, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You know, again, we don't know. It is concerning, though, to see teams simply go and say, all of you, see you later. And while London making that change, we've seen London sort of do it before. It's the Guangzhou change that strikes me as most compelling because this is a team who arguably had success this season, especially in comparison to, to last year. Agreed. Um, what else has been uh, going on? Well, the uh, Justice uh, parted ways with uh, Wiz, their strategic coach, and in the Boston Uprising, they went and added Lori as a head coach, and Mineral has been uh, moved upstairs into a management role. Um Based on what I saw from a reaction in the the Uprising Weekly Discord, as well as the Toronto Defiant Discord, um, very high on on Laurie. I I can't say I I know much about him. Um, I know in the Defiant Discord there were a number that were actually hoping that he would get a look uh, from the Defiant. Uh, So, you know, it's good for the Uprising, but I think the Uprising need more than a coach. Yeah. One more year that Boston utterly fails and Huck is still there. Yeah. For now. <laughs> and then things went down today. So the Los Angeles Gladiators, um, they announced that uh, they were dropping both Bishu, their off tank, and uh, Jaru, who is a uh, DPS. And uh, instantly, you know, people are like, oh, my goodness, that's that's kind of surprising. And then there were immediately people suggesting, you know, Bishu, good local kid, (laughs) come play for the Vancouver Titans. I'm not against that idea. But again, that that happened only to be followed by, I want to say, like 30 minutes or so later, another tweet that said uh, we wish uh, both Big Goose and Shaz better. Essentially, the Finland Mm. or Finnish component of the team is, is gone now. Big Goose has already come out to say that he's taking time away from Overwatch. Um, he's unsure as to his return, but he's retiring and may come back in a coaching capacity. Uh, Shaz has simply said he's taking time off to consider sort of next steps. But 
this leads me to look at the gladiators as completely hitting the the reset button because I can't imagine that they they stick with you know well one space OG and LH Cloudy as their their tank lineup and two they got no support right now so this this is just in my mind the the first of of more changes that will take place. Yeah, it looks like it. This was undoubtedly like uh, the most unchangeable part of their core, uh, having been there since uh, their inception, really, as a team. So it's kind of like really a, a, a satiators type of, of uh, news for me. But, yeah, I just wish them well, and I'm looking forward to see what other moves come come soon. Yeah, I think this is just the beginning. I think there's going to be yeah. more kind of what you call like stalwarts of teams just moving on because this is the big uh like there's so many free agents out there so so i feel like after the season more than half the teams will be kind of just rebuilding rosters yeah and then the late breaking news unko who still in his social media profiles lists himself as a professional overwatch player for the dallas fuel uh, he tweeted out that he can finally announce that he's looking for team on Valorant. He'd like to join an EU team. He's not ready for a twit longer. He's going to explain what happened this season uh, later uh, and explain why he's stopping Overwatch. So no official word outside of him, which I guess is maybe as official as one might take it, um, but he's, he's departing. I feel with what he said in his tweet, there's, there's more to the story. And I, you know... There's a lot made out of players dropping the twit longer and saying I'm going to Valorant. The benefit of being good in esports at what it is you do is that's a transferable skill across titles. Like I view esports not so much as like a traditional sports where you're, you know, a superstar football player over a hockey player over a baseball player. Like there's transferable skills, but not significant enough to go and be superstar across the board esports there is a lot of synergy so him going it could very well be the state of the game the the desire to play i i we talked about this in that previous episodes like might he come out and say oh roll lock ruined it for me or um the hero bands as they call hero pool ruined it. like we don't know but if that is the case yeah i could totally see that i mean hero pools provided a lot of stress to players but was created to avoid the, you know, consistent everyone chooses May every darn time they could possibly can outside of goats. What was more hated, goats or May? Goats, because it lasted just for way longer. But May, she's forever. <laughs> True. Especially if you're frozen. Is Valorant <laughs> still a thing? It kind of like disappeared. I think it from- is. Didn't they just release a new hero? Yeah. Sam, you're our Valorant expert. Uh, I actually haven't played in a couple weeks, but there, there you go. That's how it falls. <laughs> mm, I don't think it's going anywhere. And Four, 40,000 viewers. Hmm. On yeah. It's not bad. I, th- I think it's going to grow organically and, and unlike overwatch league, which I think tried to do things too big, too fast, not too fast, but just, I, honestly, I think it was too many teams to begin with, and then they doubled down and added more teams, and it was just—it's a little bit hard to manage. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not here to give an analysis of Valorant, but it's definitely taken a huge dip because it's become quite a bit of grind for for the casual player. And then um, they had some issues with with one of their guns being too OP, 
so so they just nerfed it. Mm-hmm. So they're fixing things. Hmm. Fixing things. I know another game that fixes things all the time. Uh, but there you have it, all sorts of moves. Uh, again, this episode is going to go live on Wednesday at high noon. You might be listening to it a little bit later than that. There are going to be more moves. Um, we're going to see quite a bit probably in the lead up to the playoffs. I think once the playoffs start, we'll probably see less from teams. Um, but then once the grand final champion is announced, next week is going to be a big week. We're going to probably hear more about uh, uh, players uh, no longer under contract with some teams, others retiring, leaving on their own accord. And we may start to see other rosters get announced again. Um, silly season, as it is called in, in many sort of places of the world when it comes to league play and player movement is upon us. Here we are at the end of an episode, though. We've got the grand finals ahead. We're, we're, we're looking to wrap up the season. I talked a little bit about this in the last episode. We do plan on, on recording weekly. We are going to do a, a sort of uh, breakdown of how the Vancouver Titans season went, how the Toronto Defiant season went. Each team will get its own episode because I think it would be unfair to um, really you know, not give each team its due. They've had far different experiences with the Overwatch League this season, but ultimately I think it's important that... Uh, each team gets a good, thorough look. I think I can sort of share the special guest that's going to be joining us on a company episode now. I would think I, I, I should I should say who it is. I mean, I've been on like 85 episodes. You don't have to call me a special guest anymore. <laughs> True. True that. Um, but no, you may know him as, as Karki, but, uh, Nathan, he's going to be joining us, uh, not next week. He'll be joining us the, the week after, uh, to talk a little bit about, uh, uh, his journey in, in the realm of, uh, content creator for the Toronto Defiant, uh, talk to us a little bit about the Overwatch League in general, give us some thoughts on, on, on things that uh, have unfolded, but we thought it'd be kind of cool to, to get him on. And then we've actually got another guest lined up up uh, who will be joining us for another episode a little bit later uh another um uh, person uh, that is connected to the Toronto Fiant and uh again I'll, I'll let you know who that is um the closer we get to their episode debut on that note though um we do want to uh, provide you more guests as the off season goes on and one of the areas that I'm really interested in doing is connecting with fans of the Vancouver Titans, as well as the Toronto Defiant. Um, If you are a fan of either one of those teams and you'd like to tell your story as to how you became a fan of that team, um, what it is about the team that uh, you enjoy the most, and maybe talk a little bit about the Overwatch League for a a potential segment in an upcoming podcast, please let me know. The easiest way to go about doing that is shooting us a message on Twitter, probably the low barrier option at Ready, Set, Pwn. Just let us know, hey, I was listening to the episode and I would love to talk to you about being a, a guest please, please reach out. You can also reach out in RSP Discord. That's another way. And again, what we're looking for are fans of either the Vancouver Titans or the Toronto Defiant or both. That's perfectly fine. Um, this is not a shot against fans of other teams. It's just our focus is a Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant, um, you know, podcast. So it's sort of why we're, we're looking for that. And let's be honest, I need to go and showcase talent to, for the day that I have to cut Sam. <laughs> true mm-hmm. but as we look to to wrap this uh this episode up uh got any final words of wisdom uh, for all of our listeners boys 
Remember, the smaller Reaper is, the deadlier. Is that true? Yeah, if you if you'd watch the, <laughs> the tiny huge Overwatch game, you'd know this. So the eight people will get that reference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the, the the truly elite uh, Overwatch uh, viewers do know the diehards. Yeah, for me, it's been a really hot October. So remember, just like Chris says, just wear a holy shirt. Air conditioning, oh natural. Um, me, my final words of wisdom. Go and give Soldier a try on the PTR while oh, you still yeah. have a chance. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I mean, it's possible that he... Is it the PTR or experimental right now? Actually, it might be experimental. Oh, but yeah. Soldier currently has his predictable fire pattern, which is interesting because that makes him a little more lethal. And the fact that it's oh. predictable recoil, which means you can actually compensate for it, <laughs> means he's essentially shooting a laser with very little damage drop off <laughs> if this uh patch comes through i i, I uh expect defran to come out of his farming uh endeavors back to overwatch oh gosh yeah you'll see everyone's gonna be running daddy 76 out there i'm the man who does his job i'm thinking you're the other one <laughs> gotta love it oh but yes Thank you for tuning in to another episode. We're going to continue to come to you week after week after week through to the end of October. We've got some crazy plans lined up for the off season. We'll share more of what they are as we get closer to it. Make sure you join discord to stay on top of all the latest and greatest news. That is discord.io slash ready set You can follow us on Twitter at ready set We're on Facebook, Instagram, and if you haven't done so already, and I, I say this each and every week, but there I'm sure are a few of you out there, you've reached this point. You're like, man, I go and listen to your, your podcast by going to your website. And I really wish it was an easy way to do it. Just go and find a podcast application and subscribe to us there. It is the easiest way to ensure you stay on top of everything to do with RSP. And if you need a, a, an app suggestion, I recommend Pocket Casts. It's the one I use. It's easy. Slow maintenance. But on behalf of Sam, add another Sam Chan. Omni, add Omni, shave myself, Chris, at Light Forest. Going to sign this episode off with those magical words. Catchphrase. Thank you.